Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. That was two years ago, mate. Get over it. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just when we search, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is Thursday, April the 12th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. What? Well, I feel you bad talking about football, you talk you? about football. Here's what I will say. I'm fine to talk about football again. It turns out after last week, uh, I, I'm fine oh. again, and I'm very happy to talk about football. Yeah. But because I was where you were a week ago, and you now have gone deeper into that hole, if you don't want to talk about football, Charlie, I'm there for you still. <laughs> Well, maybe you should do like Bevo did and we can just do the podcast twice just to show people that we're back together. Well, you know what we should actually do is not do the whole episode twice because they didn't play the whole game twice. Uh, What we just have to do is do the theme music twice. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. We'll do the theme. Mike, Al, can you play the uh, theme Also, music I think that we end? should come up with... Um, I mean that. Like, you know, maybe we should, like, you know, Port Adelaide style, you know, uh, the Collingwood, you know, style, never tear us apart, nothing else matters. Maybe at the start of the podcast, we should have some inspirational song that gets the crowd going for the podcast. And then at the end, we should yeah, sing some the theme song. <laughs> yeah. I can I nominate the uh, Kate Sobrano hit "Young Boys Are My Weakness." <laughs> Won't that be confusing for people if you and I just slowly sing "Young Boys Are My Weakness"? I just like the sweetness. Pretty young thing, what you gonna do? I just want to get my hands on you. In other news today, Will Anderson and Charlie Clawson were arrested. <laughs> That would be great if you went to the pitch meeting for, hey guys, we want to get onto this trend that's going around the AFL where every club has an inspirational song. And the, the chief executive comes in and goes, I suggest Kate Sobrano's Young Boys Are My Weakness. <laughs> I was reading the news about uh, Sam Pal yeah. Pepper, about the trouble he got into, and was like, you know, I can't believe we have skipped over this, but Port Adelaide, instead of playing in excess, shouldn't they just be playing salt and pepper? But it's like, instead of salt and pepper's here, it's like Sam Pal Pepper's here. Yeah, I mean, that is actually a very good point. But I mean, you know, technically, if he you know, starts, you know, roughing up people, uh, you know, off the field, then he could be uh, Sam Pal Pepper assault. <laughs> oh, come on. Shut up. <laughs> we are two guys, one car. I actually managed to miss most of the AFL action. I had a busy weekend uh, in another country, so I caught most things on catch-up. I, I think I saw half of the Richmond-Hawthorne game. That was probably the most footy I watched, but I did, I did watch the highlights. What do you want to start with, Will? What grabbed your attention from this week? Uh, on Sunday, Charlie, at Etihad Stadium, uh, the Western Bulldogs played the Essendon Bombers in uh, a game that I can only describe as the most enjoyable game of football I've watched in the last six months. It was the Bulldogs of old. Like, yeah. it, it, very much in the way that they, like, you know, had the ball for 70, 80% of the time. And look, 
could have kicked themselves out of it, like kicked it an enormous amount of points. But people kind of forget that when we were at our best, that was actually the way that we played. We had no direct route forward, but we had like the potential that anybody was just peppering it at the goals at any stage. Would you say you Sam Pal peppered the goals? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Charlie, enough of your nonsense. Uh, back to the Western Bulldogs, who were at their yes. awesome premiership best. Yes. Um, they were great. They were so good. I, I don't think Essendon are much good, to be honest. But mm. it was one of those days where um, the Bulldogs made Essendon look like they weren't much good. It was one of those days when you watched them play and you went... Because there was a point like in the third quarter where it looked like we might... Because we could kick so many points... Even though we dominated the game, maybe we'd tire ourselves out from being relentless and the bombers would get back in it. And I was in my head, I was like, you know what? I don't actually even really care if we lose this game because I've seen enough in the first three quarters of if they give that level of intent each week, then that's all I want from that football club. If they go out each week and play with that sort of level of ferocity and that sort of yeah. spirit of adventure, and I feel like that's their best brand of football. And I feel like when they're playing like that, you're willing to see them lose playing like that. Um, but I reckon that's what the way that I want to see them play. It was great. I loved it. It was just so much fun to watch, you know. And there was a new player, Ed Richards, who's like Lou Richards' grandson. And he was... Mm. Like, Luke Hodge was in the commentary box. And... You could tell Hodgie was really loving him because he was just making good decisions. He was one of those kids, you know, who's like just looks like he's got time at that level. Yeah, it was, it was, it was so much fun to watch. And he has good hair. He has a he has a very specific kind of hair. It's kind of like curly but long but boofy. It's it's a yeah, you know what I'm talking he's about. He's got that kind boof. of hair. Yeah, it's a red booth. That's it. That's it. That's what that's what yeah, the com- looking for. The common term red. We know booth. how much we love haircuts on this show. See, I don't know that it is just about seeing your team put in an effort uh, every week because uh, the Saints put in more effort this week, but we still can't kick the fucking ball. So, if anything, it's just like it's just compounding the woes. It's like even when they try their absolute hardest, they still don't know. We actually, I was surprised. I read the stats after the game, and we had like more 50, well, at least up until three-quarter time, more forward 50 entries. It's just that once we get it in there, we don't know what to do. Uh, I didn't see any of the Saints game, but from what I heard, they had tried harder but were massively outclassed by what was going on. And it's it's no good down at the Saints. It does That is not a good story at the moment. They need to win a game of football to get some pressure off them down there because there are a lot of questions being asked and... A lot of talk about Richo, and it's no good. Yeah, I uh, I, I managed to see 360. Uh, I didn't really, uh, like I said, I just watched the highlights, and so I just I went to 360s for my talking points this week. And he kind of looks like a coach under pressure. Like last week, he was very defensive, and I think maybe someone talked to him about it. So this time, he didn't really, like he, he just didn't do anything. He just sat there, arms folded, and stayed very, very measured. Didn't like... Didn't really go into anything. I think the toughest question was like, will McCartan stay or will you drop in? And he's like, well, I mean, he's sitting opposite the coach he's going to be playing against on the weekend. So I don't think he wanted to give too much away. But the most kind of like, he said that no one is safe, which I think is like, I don't know that that is necessarily what we need right now. I don't know an influx of kids. We are the second youngest team. We've got the second youngest going around right now. I don't know that getting... 
you know, more kids in that team is going to change anything. We just need the kids what we have been cultivating over the last three years, getting those 50 games them to actually start playing well. I mean, I don't know. I feel bad. There were so many people who contacted me last week. Like, even the publicist at the St Kilda Football Club got in contact with me to see if I was okay. And I was like, I didn't, I wasn't aware. I hadn't listened back. But, like, there's so many people contacting me to say, wow, man, that sounded like something you were broken inside. And, look, I'm sure all it will take is a couple of wins on the trot and I'll be back on board. But I think it's more the loss of a dream. I think we all, Saints supporters, we all felt like, oh, you know what, we've had six, uh, seven years down. But we're on the upswing now and we've, you know, we showed enough glimpses, but now it's the, it's the cold hard light of day, which is like, I think we underestimated getting rid of Nick Revolt and Joe Montagna, what that was going to do to our side. Cause I feel like there's no leaders. That's the problem. Or the guys who are the leaders just don't know how to take control of a game. Well, that's why, you know, you, you start thinking you've got to get a Rory Sloan or someone like that. Someone who actually, you know, and that would have been the good thing about Kelly, like someone you can import who actually just can bring some leadership with them. It, it feels like you need your. It feels like your company needs an external CEO to be headhunted. But do you remember when Carlton drafted Chris Judd, and they're like, "Well, this is just what Carlton needs. He can teach Fev, you know, how to train properly and diet and all that kind of stuff." And he sort of got them to a level of success. But I think that stuff is better from the ground up. I mean, the foundation of St Kilda's love him or hate him. This foundation of St Kilda's success in the last fifteen years was Grant Thomas. When Grant Thomas took over that club and he had all those young draft picks, he really became more than a coach. He was like Bevo in that way. Like, you know, they would stay at his house. They would have barbecues. He would give them advice on stuff that was not football related. And they had a mentor. And what? Just, I, I assume it was from before when our Skype shut down. But I've just received a message from you on the Skype thing. And it just says, help. And so, yes. And so it's like mid this conversation, you are so desperately inside it that you were trying to send me a message to be like, help me out of this hole. Stop me talking about St Kilda. So you were literally talking and I got a little pop up message from you with your face help. and all it said was yeah. help. <laughs> that's, uh, that's my subconscious. Like I was talking to you, but subconsciously my hand was just tapping away on the keyboard. Oh man. So how do you, how do the Saints go forward from where they are right now? What is, as a Saints fan, what is it that you mm. hope for that they're going to do this next coming week? Um, what you want to see, what I want to see is some leadership. I want to see some people step up, like, you know, your Seb Rosses and your Blake Akers and Luke Dunstans and stuff. And actually, because, you know, Revolt was that kind of player where he would drag you across the line. Like, he would literally do that one thing, that smother, that mark, that goal, whatever, which would bring everyone on board. And I just feel like we're lacking that. We, we don't have anyone to go to. And I don't, I don't know if it's... Like, Richo, by his personality, doesn't, he's not like that kind of give him a cuddle kind of coach. He's, you know, he's very cerebral and, you know, uh, speaks in kind of like his, his set kind of 150-word vocabulary, including pleasing and positive. So I just don't know. I don't know I don't know what's there to excite them. You, I, I would, you know, maybe you give more free reign. To, so maybe the players are, are too caught up trying to play to a plan and you allow them to play a, a better style that enables them to... To... I don't know. Charlie, you've got to, you've got to let the... You've got to let the Mighty Ducks be the Mighty Ducks. You've got to let them play the Ducks away. 
You can't be putting them into some... Yeah, look, here's the thing with Richo. I'd love to see him uh, go the Bevo route. Like, you know, start riding a skateboard, you know, down to training, you know, cutting his own hair, you know, quoting inspirational lyrics to the boys, that sort of thing, you know, composing a song with a local band down in St Kilda and getting them to sing it at games. I reckon that's the Richo direction he should be going. Yeah, yeah, Richo's song would be, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasing, it's a positive, <laughs> it's a really and pleasing positive performance. <laughs> when you're at the Saints, you've got lots of mates. Because it's pleasing, yeah, it's positive, yeah, nah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, nah, yeah, yeah, nah, nah. That's my Richo impression. It's like, yeah, nah, nah, he was good, yeah, nah, nah. He's definitely one of those yeah, nah guys. It's like, uh, you know, Seb Ross uh, had 30 positions. Yeah, nah, Seb, he was good. Yeah, Seb, he was good. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I loved something you did before, too. I can't remember if we've talked about this on the show before, but it's one of the things that I love about AFL football. I don't know if it's uh, only a thing that happens in AFL football, but it definitely happens in mm. AFL football more than anywhere else that I'm aware of it, which is the pluralization of the players' names when you're discussing them. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, you know, we just got to get more out of the Seb Rosses, the Jack Stevens. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, no, there's just one of each. Maybe the problem is you think you yeah. have more than one Seb Ross. You're putting him in three different <laughs> positions on the board and you just can't cover them all. Well, we've got so many Jacks, I get confused. I just assume we have lots of everyone. <laughs> Yeah, I've been playing four Paddy McCartans and I just didn't realise that wasn't good for him. Speaking of uh, uh, Nick Revolt, our uh, inspirational departed leader, um, are you loving this bromance between Murph and Nick Revolt that's playing out on screen? Like, they're the original odd couple. I love it. I think, like, there is something very charming about them and they are such polar opposites. you got your kind of, like, indie... Bob Murphy, Elvis tattoo. Then you got your liberal voting, like blonde Ubermensch on the other side. But it's just like, it's, I'm, cause I, cause when you read Nick's autobiography, he talks about like how they didn't really know each other. They've only recently become friends, but he's like fast becoming my favorite bromance. Right. They are the new odd couple and it's beautiful because they actually are, I think they, I think Nick Greewalt is probably one of those guys who like, He's in a position where he wants the world to be opened up a little bit more to him. He lived his life through one particular set of values and one particular set of ideals and, you know, ways of going about things, a sort of meticulous preparer. And yes, like, I don't know that he votes liberal, but if I had to put some money on him voting liberal, I imagine he votes liberal. And I think he married a girl. I can tell, I can tell you he does vote liberal because uh, before the, uh, the, the election where Tony Abbott became prime minister, they interviewed him and he said, let's hope Australians do the right thing and put the liberals in power. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, Nick, like, you've given me so much joy. Why? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I think he married a girl from Texas because he hadn't met anyone from Nazi Germany. But I, uh, <laughs> but the the truth of it is that he's, while he might look like that, and while he's probably been raised in a world where you know his looks in the way that he presents himself have led him to that. I think there's probably a. It, it feels to me, particularly after reading that book, that there's a much more deep contemplative, interesting, you know, world-curious person inside there. But there's so many sort of barriers that he's built up that he's not aware of. You know, like, he always mm. feels like when he's talking to Murph, like someone who's taken their straight friend to a gay club for the first time. Yes. 
That's what it feels like, like. They're having a good time, but they want to know why, why everything is happening and what's happening. <laughs> there was a really funny, awkward moment on that episode of 360 where they were talking about, you know, where does Buddy sit in the conversation of the greatest of all time? And then they started saying, well, who are the greatest full-time of the, of the modern era? And they're like, well, you know, Gaz has to be there and Buddy's definitely in there. And then Jared's gone in present company too. Like Nick would definitely be in there. And then there was just this like bit of silence. They look at Bob and, all right, on to the next topic. <laughs> look, you're good, Bob. I mean, we're not going to put you in that category. I mean, I don't know. Jared has to walk that comment back. Present company included, except for we're going to exclude that part of the present company. Some of our present company included. <laughs> We'll let the viewers decide. <laughs> I won't name which of these people I think it is. You guys can make up your own mind. In fact, let's go to the poll right now. <laughs> Did you watch the Hawthorne uh, Richmond game? No, I didn't see much of that game, actually. It was good. It was like, I mean, now that I'm not so worried about the Saints anymore, I can actually enjoy watching other teams play. I can maybe even, you know, pick a, uh, pick a Hudsucker team. Uh, a proxy team to, uh, uh, to to follow into the finals. But the thing you notice about a successful team like Richmond, a team that's up and about, is they can take a speculative draft pick like a Jack Higgins mm. and throw him into a big-time game. And when it comes off, they just look like geniuses. It looks like everything's come off. He looks like the best. I guarantee if he had made his debut with the Saints on the weekend, like it would have been four touches, no one even knew who he was. And everybody would have been looking at the draft and see who got picked before Higgins so they could judge the Saints yeah. on how bad their drafting was. <laughs> he, he, yeah. We tried to get him on the show this week uh, because he was just so natural in the press conference afterwards like he's at that point where he hasn't been media trained properly yet and they haven't drained all his personality out so he was just like loving it he was just loving the fact that he was like oh, i kicked a couple of snags yeah i'm like <laughs> oh really yeah, snags dropped i kicked a couple of snags i was like i like you mate never change <laughs> who was the big disappointment of the round um bombers yeah, I mean, if you're a Bombers fan, I think you'd be devastated by the way the Bombers played. Because, I mean, the Bulldogs have been going yeah. no good. And we were, we're still massively undermanned. But our intensity, they, they just looked... Joey Danaher looks out of form. Like, when he gets it, he still, you know, obviously can do some pretty spectacular things. But he seems out of form. I think teams are starting to work out how to more effectively shut down merit. And I think if you can shut down Merritt, then the Bombers game plan through the middle. Like, because Heppel's having a pretty good season. He's playing pretty do well. Do you think when they're, having, when they're having the team meeting, do you think it's a Merritt-based discussion? <laughs> <laughs> no. Help? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, why, why have you sent me help? <laughs> He refers to club selection policy as a meritocracy. He's got them all. He, yeah. like, he's got the, everything's branded. He seems really like young and shy and unassuming, but he's actually he big on his own personal brand around the club. And what's going on with Jake Stringer's like shaved head now? I mean, God, it's like every passing week, the Bulldogs are like, I broke up with that dude at just the right time. I think technically the last six months of the relationship were pretty rocky, but they're glad to be out of it. Um, yeah, look, I think that 
Yeah, it's that thing where you don't, when you break up with somebody, you don't want them to start going to the gym and, you know, get their teeth fixed and mm. get a much better job and those sort of things. It's fair to say that if you were going to indulge yourself in Schadenfreude, then he is certainly, like, in every week it feels like there's a, at the Bulldogs, there's a portrait of uh, Jake Stringer in the attic, which is going quite fine. It's like the reverse of that, that scenario. Yeah. The real life one's falling apart, but in the premiership, he'll look perfect forever. Um, he wasn't actually that bad. He wasn't that bad on the weekend. He, it, is, it is like it is like after a breakup, when you know someone does do something drastic, like get a tattoo, or they get like their hair cut, or you know dyed a different color, or whatever. It does feel like he's trying to reinvent himself, but as what? <laughs> Um, here's what I would say about Stringer is that I thought he actually started all right. He's been criticized pretty heavily after that game, but he actually started pretty well, I thought. And then he got like poked in the eye and, you know, struggled a bit when he came back. But I, I, I would have thought that he, he was certainly not in their worst on the day. Like, I, you know, and I hope that he kind of gets it together. But the idea that they're going to play him as some sort of midfielder, he is miles away from having the stamina to try to play as a midfielder. Stamina or concentration? <laughs> Imagine he's a dude who gets distracted by the replays up on the on the scoreboard. I mean, well, he's not getting quite as many of those as he used to, so I guess his distractions are getting cut down a little. Was he a top 10 draft pick? Like, where did he come in yeah. from the Bulldogs from? Yeah, sixth or seventh, I reckon. Mike Howell, can you look up uh, where Jake Stringer was drafted? But I think he was a top 10. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny with the Bombers when you... Because I was thinking, you know, about where the Saints are at, and Carlton got a real kicking this week as well. Five. And then obviously the go. Bombers. It's like, and I think you can be most disappointed with the Bombers because the way they traded and 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 uh, traded over the over the off season, you're like, okay, well they've put some pace into their team. They played finals last year. You know, they should they should be primed. St Kilda, we were always outside the finals, and there were question marks about, you know if these kids come on. I mean, the Saints kids could still come on. It might just be fucking three years from now with a different coach. Oh, no, the Bombers should be firing. You look at that team and you look at it from one end to the other and you think, no, this this team should be a... That was the thing that was encouraging for the Bulldogs because I was like, these Bulldogs players mm. are making a whole bunch of people that I ordinarily consider to be really, really excellent players look ordinary. I mean, there was a time where Bontempelli was rucking against uh, Bell Chambers, and I was like, "That doesn't seem like, that does not like seem like a sensible <laughs> policy." I don't know. I don't like what's happening here. I'm um, no thank you. You know, if um, if Port had lost to Brisbane, would that confirm that Brisbane are a good team, or, or Port just had a, a blip? I reckon Brisbane are a good team. I watched that game. Well, you and Richo, you and Richo are on the same page because I've heard the Saints. Maybe I'm being paranoid, but Richo and other members of the Saints talking in the media, pushing this thing that we all agree that Brisbane are a good team now, right, don't we? So us beating them in, in round one wasn't such a mediocre event. It's like, dudes, come on. Like, they still haven't won a game yet, all right? Like, don't crow over, we beat the best of the teams that haven't won a game yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. But, there is a reframing of history, but I do think that Brisbane are, this is a year where they feel like they're definitely an improving team and they have enough good players now and enough game-breaking players and they seem to all be putting in and playing for each other in a way that... I, I, I just watched that game because it was a really 
exciting game of football. It was just great to watch two, mm. you know, good, reasonably evenly matched teams. I mean, Port weren't at their best and Brisbane probably played a little above their best. And I thought the result was still what it probably should have been. But it was a good game to watch. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, North couldn't maintain their, their bunny run against the Demons. But I'm okay with that. Like you, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting like a, a more dramatic fall to come. And you know what? It was wobbly enough. It was wobbly enough to feel yeah. like there's some better <laughs> melbourne times ahead. I'm still, if I'm on one thing this season, it's the fact that I think that something is going to happen with Melbourne that's going to be an absolute disaster. So I, um, I'm, I'm determined uh, to ride that and hope that it actually comes true. Sorry, Melbourne fans. I know there's probably long-suffering Melbourne fans out there who are like, that's bullshit. Like, I have cared about my team as much as you care about your team and how you dare you judge me. And if if I wasn't writing this from a chalet at Threadbow, I would be. <laughs> <laughs> it, apparently, uh, so James Sisley comes back this week. Demons play the Hawks. Do you think Tom Bug lines up on James Sisley? Oh, I mean, that's... Wouldn't that be great? I mean, that's like a WrestleMania. Let them fight. It's like a WrestleMania yeah. Like thing, isn't it? But that's your real spirit of <laughs> yeah. theatre. We thought Chris Scott had theatre when he put... Uh, Ablett, Dangerfield, and Selwood into the middle together, but the real theatre would put Bug on Sicily and just let him fight to the death. Did you uh, watch any any of WrestleMania? No, I didn't see it. I was travelling. I've I've been watching a lot of wrestling uh, because it's, you know, uh, I'm not going to watch much football. And I was thinking it's it's a concept they should introduce to football is, you know, the colour commentator in the wrestling generally takes the counter-argument. So... The other two commentators will be, you know, calling the game. But you'll always have that third commentator who's always boosting the bad guy. Could we just have one dude in the AFL commentary team just for to be contrary, just boosting, like, the team that's losing and just, like, ex- trying to ex- explain away and excuse all their mistakes and stuff and I, just, like, keep boosting them up? I love that. I feel like I could use a, comment- I use a commentator like that this year. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, that'd be great if they just had, like, a devil's advocate you know, who sat there yes. and just put the Saints' position forward regardless. Well, maybe that's what Rewalt should be doing. Rewalt should just, for Saints yes. games, just get in there and go, or, you know, actually, there's, here's the thing. Because with Joey Montagna, with uh, Nick Del Santo and with uh, Rewalt, they've all become really fantastic media performers in different ways. So you could have a rotating panel mm. of three, or you could have one on TV and one on radio and one on a different channel. Like, you know, you could actually spread it across the network and they just come in and they just blatantly disregard any criticism of the Saints in any way. Yeah, I mean, well, Basil Zemkis has been doing it with the Eagles for fucking 15 years. So I mean, surely we can do it with, with like everyone, every team should get to nominate. Like if you have... An ex-player who is in the media, you should get to nominate them to be in the, your commentary box for that game. Right, and they get to wear their colours to the. Oh, well, because I got to. Yeah. I got to be in the middle of it. Like a feather boa, like, like Jesse the Body Ventura. They get to wear a feather boa in the colours of your team. So um, this week I got to see a middle of a feud because uh, uh, Damien Barrett, purple, um, uh, purple, did purple. a did a story on last week's footy show about the Bulldogs and how all the trouble down at Bulldog Land and uh, the fact that the players, you know, there was trouble between the players and they weren't talking to each other and then Fev suggested that at his time in at Carlton, uh, players sometimes just kicked it to their friends and not to people that they didn't like, which is crazy. 
Like, it's just crazy if that was crazy. actually true. That is crazy. Yeah. So, so Das um, obviously had a fight with Damo about that. Uh, you know, Das played certainly the Bulldogs' devil's advocate in that situation. And Damo said to him, yeah, right. Damo's like, well, y- y- you would say that because you're always wearing your scarf and your beanie. So he said that. And then Das is fired back with, um, well, you wouldn't know Damo because you've never been inside Clubland. And then Damo's fired. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then Damo <laughs> has fired back with, well, that's Rich coming from the Bulldogs' version of Joffa. <laughs> wow. Now, that's a, they must be mates. Like, that's a gag, right? Oh, no, they are mates. Like, there's, like they're, they're definitely mates. But was this also a real... Like argument they were having between Fight. mates, yes, absolutely, no doubt in my mind. I saw it from right. up close, and yes, of course, they lean into the the entertainment pantomime of them not agreeing, but they certainly did not agree, and they certainly, yeah, they got to a point in the argument where you know you know that when you go having an argument with a journalist who's never played at the highest level, the thing that you can bring up that is most cutting is to say, well, you wouldn't know, you've never played at this level. <laughs> Isn't the Bulldogs' version of Joffa that dude with the mohawk who wears the who wears the chain around his neck with a padlock? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do know who you're talking about. I thought you were going to talk about our Dr. Zimmerman, our, uh, our doctor <laughs> who has the massive... No, he's your version of Super Mario. Oh, that joke was so funny, it froze. Uh, to fill the uh, listeners in, experiencing... Jack... <laughs> oh, oh, fucking hell. We are experiencing some technical difficulties, if you can't tell. Uh, my, my computer keeps freezing, so we're managing to do this show in 15-minute chunks, it appears. <laughs> like a football yeah, game, 20-minute the... quarters. Yeah. Except that um, uh, we both said at the start that we were on limited time frames today and I'm not sure, I know how long we've been talking to each other, but I'm not sure how much of this podcast we have fucking recorded at this point. Um, so what maybe we should do today is just, um, look, we'll, look, we're not going to talk about everything today. We don't have the time to get to everything. Uh, we'll come back next time with a much more comprehensive episode and, you know, we might try on the weekend when we're recording our other podcast the to put up some extra content or something. But uh, maybe what we should do, Charlie, is at the very yes. least go to the tips for next weekend. And then yes. as we're talking about those teams, we can kind of reflect on what happened, you know, in this last weekend a little bit. And if it freezes again, we can throw our computers into the ocean. All right. Well, on Friday night, the Crows take on the pies of Adelaide Oval. Uh, Collingwood, I will say this, Charlie, uh, definitely backs against the wall. Uh, this is definitely a backs against the wall moment. They played really well on Friday night, but um, lots of injuries again around at Collingwood. They're going over to Adelaide, uh, you know, to play at the Adelaide Oval where Adelaide barely lose. Uh, if you're ever talking about a backs against the wall situation, Adelaide look, you know, like they're going pretty well again at the moment. Um, tough game to pick, I would have thought. Do you think it is a backs-against-the-wall situation? Doesn't the kind of like joy of beating their traditional rival last week carry into this game? I do not think so, no. Well, I think it's a relief. Like, you know, I think if they'd lost 
you know, last week to Carlton, then, um, you know, it would have been panic stations. Oh, we didn't talk about the fact that they misspelt their banner. Did you see that? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> so Danny McGinley is working at Collingwood now. Uh, it's fair to say that on Monday morning on the radio, I got Danny McGinley on as a banner expert to talk <laughs> through what might have gone uh, wrong down at the Magpies. And it's, it's fair to say, Eddie uh, did not find that as amusing as I thought he might have. <laughs> kept talking about the fact that they'd noticed and they'd fixed it. And I was like, yeah, they noticed once they put the banner up in front of 70,000 people <laughs> at the MCG and discovered that tonight was spelt wrong. But was there not some point in the entire process where anyone else looked at that banner and went, hey, do you reckon the H is in the wrong spot? <laughs> so who's your pick for this game? Uh, I reckon Adelaide will win. But it, you know, if you're looking for a backs against the wall, you know, Adelaide could... Not concentrate. Um, oh, did you see the Eddie Betts video footage? Did you see yeah. that? That was cute. Yeah, yeah, about when he announcing his babies. Yeah, so they uh, he he watched it all on uh, FaceTime basically, and uh, announced it all to the boys at the end. It was nice. Um, there was a really interesting moment in the video where because they're all sitting down in your sort of players' room, and he mm. gets up the front and you know he tells them all the news, and then they all start applauding. But Rory Sloan gets up and gives him a big high five and nobody else does. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that, you know, they're responding to Sloan's leadership. I feel like... <laughs> Cracks. <laughs> well, Sloan's having a baby as well. And it's funny, like I saw on the Herald Sun, they posted a, you know, a Sloan uh, snaps an Instagram photo of his wife saying they're expecting. And then the very next speculation was, well, does that mean he's staying in Adelaide or does that mean he's coming home to Melbourne? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how does uh, having a baby affect... Uh, yeah. Well, I guess, where's she from? She's, I think she's from Victoria. Because so sometimes it's like you want to be closer to family, right, if you have a baby. Um, yeah. I hope he has a boy, and I, call, I hope he calls him Homer, Homer Sloan. And <laughs> I think that'd be great. Worth it. I'm going to uh, go with the two guys, one cup ethos of the vibe. I'm going to pick Collingwood. Backs against the wall, Collingwood in this game. Yep, I like it. Um, I'm going to pick Adelaide, though. On Saturday, the Giants take on Fremantle uh, at the University of New South Wales. Uh, so, okay, what can we say? What did I? Who did I see on the weekend? I didn't see the Giants play on the weekend. Um, I the Swans saw, game. Did you see? I did, well, I, I saw the highlights, but I didn't see any of the right. actual game. Did you see any? No, nah, just the highlights. Buddy. Buddy's uh, amazing goal. That was... Just one of those moments. I know that this has been a topic we've already talked about so far this season, but um, guys, uh, Buddy Franklin is really, really good at football. But that goal, there's just so much about it that I love. You know, that the, the arrogant way he sort of grabs it in the middle, you know, does that sort of like, you know, strong arm buddy move and then just bursts away. And he's going, he's going to go and try to kick it to someone. And then he realizes, nah, I'm just <laughs> going to launch it from here and kick this goal myself. It was, it was, it was magnificent. The best part was seeing Kieran Jack calling for the handball. <laughs> it's like, mate, like, good luck. I mean, if Buddy has a clear shot from anywhere within 70 metres, he's having a ping. Yeah, that is a very good point. Maybe he was just running cover, though. Maybe in those situations, they know that Buddy's not going to handball it, but they have to run. Like, it's to distract the other players from the opposition. You've got to give them at least the inkling that he might give it to somebody else. He never will, and he never should. The discussion I read around the Giants after th this game was, do they have a defensive side? Like, are they, Will, downhill skiers? 
I mean, I would say traditionally the best way to ski is downhill. I mean, I think if you've signed yourself what about cross up, country? Yeah, up to a life... Yeah, you can be well, a cross-country I mean, skier. You can be one, but it's a dumber version of skiing than being a downhill skier. Skiing downhill is the best way to ski. It is by far the premier skiing event. The number one skiing events at the Winter Olympics are all involve skiing down a hill or at least up and down a half pipe of some kind. Nobody gives a shit about your stupid cross-country. You're only doing mm-hmm. it because you weren't good enough at downhill skiing. We all fucking know it. So I'm not going to judge them for doing the one thing you should do at skiing, which is go downhill. But I understand that we're not actually talking about skiing, Charlie. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, <laughs> I reckon they just played... Yeah, it's one of those ones that the Battle of the Bridge, where um, it could go either way and it doesn't really give you an indication on which is the better team. And I, it would not surprise me if that's one of the major finals again at the end of the year. Yeah, I still feel like the scary thing for GWS is if they don't have flag success the next four years. Like whatever kind of, you know, they have sort of minimal club uh, supporter base. If they don't capitalise on this era of dominance, like what happens? Because... It'll be the best way to build a culture is with success. And they seem to have all the tools, but maybe you can't just manufacture a team. Well, I think they used to have all the tools and they're trying to get rid of some of those tools <laughs> and send them off to other clubs and build a good culture there. Um, I think that they have a pretty good culture. They have a winning culture. I do think there's a, as we've touched on before, you know, they've all, all been good players forever. And it's not always, a team game doesn't always need everyone to be a star. You know, the great St Kilda years, you know, part of the game plan is that the seventh guy doesn't need the ball all the time, you know? Mm. You've got to give it to those top six. And I think that their balance is a bit weird because of that. You know, they don't have those, you know, gritty, determined, you know, are happy to be a role player um, sort of people that you do need to sort of, you know, let the stars star. It's like when you go to someone's house and, you know, they pour Coke into a wine glass and you're like... (laughs) It's a wine glass. Like, that's a prestige item there. What are you doing pouring Coke into that? It's like, you want a GWS player to play out of the back pocket? I mean, right. this dude would be a first-choice midfielder in any other side. You want him to do a shutdown role? Yeah, that's, I think that's, the, the, that's what it is. And I think that there's perhaps something that comes with that. I will say of the, the other team in this, Fremantle, who we have not talked about much this season... Uh, other mm. than to say that uh turns out that Nat Fife's uh, really good again. Um, mm. Guys, Nat Fife's really good again. He's back. It's so good yeah. to see. I forgot. It's been a while, and it, I've just forgot how dominant a footballer he is at his best. And you can see that their fortunes are almost immediately turned around by him being back and being so good. I think the best thing to have happened for Frio is to Dustin Martin to have an absolute blinder of a year last year and win every single individual award because you know that's fucking eating up Nat Fife inside. You just know it. Oh, well, yeah, because they're suddenly like Dustin Martin had the best individual season ever. Remember that season when he won the Brownlow Fife where like those first 14 games he got like three votes in each game or something? He'd <laughs> yeah. be, he would definitely be, you know, thinking about the fact that he wants to be the number one player in the game again, whether he will ever be or again or not. But that would be in his ambitions. If you if 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 he appears to be the person that we all think he is, he wants to be number one again. And yeah, Ballantyne's back and playing well. And Frio's got a bunch of kind of you know I, I I like I watched a bit of Frio and I thought they looked you know promising. You don't need to read into Nat Fife 
to get that. He's come out and said it like numerous times. I can't remember what it was for, but they did a little kind of package on Fife v Dangerfield and where they interviewed both guys and played highlights and they both were very upfront about, oh yeah, like we watch each other's games and keep track of each other's stats and like I want to be better than the other guy. And now Dustin Martin has come in. It's like, okay, well, this is... This can only be good. If you, Will, have a club that has an A grader, this can only be good. Moorabbin right. crickets. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have an A grader, it turns out. But um, what about you guys? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Billings. Uh, all right. Uh, who do you think is going to win that one, Charlie? Uh, I'll tip the Giants in that game. Yeah, I think GWS are going to win that. But I reckon Freo is going to have uh, some good wins over this season, it feels like. Yeah, I agree. Richmond take on the Brisbane Lions at the MCG. Oh, now, if this was, if this was before the Premiership of 2017, this this seems like the kind of game that Richmond would lose. Oh, the Tigers of old. This is definitely, definitely yeah. one that old Richmond would lose. Yeah, are they the new Richmond? I mean, this is a real tester, isn't it? I mean, the Premiership cures everything. Um, and at this stage, Richmond have done enough this season to show, I reckon they'll be pretty competitive again. But if they manage to lose to Brisbane at the MCG, suddenly there'd be a lot of questions about premiership hangovers and, you know, which what, which Richmond is the real Richmond and all these sort of things. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Richmond are probably going to win this one. But I expect that Brisbane will you know, put up a pretty good effort as well. So Brisbane will do exactly what they've been doing every week. Yeah. Gets, they'll, they'll all try really hard. Um, Hipwood started to play really well, which is fantastic because he's such an exciting player to watch. Hodgie will stand down the back and boss everybody around for most of the game. Um, and then a whole bunch of blokes called Dane, uh, spelt in various different ways, will uh, get heaps of the footy and play well. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've got a nagging feeling that the Lions might win this game. But at the same time, I don't feel. I doesn't Richmond don't feel the same this year. Like they, 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 just, they just. I feel they have exercised Richmondy. So I'll pick the Tigers as well. Yeah. Your boys, the Western Bulldogs, take on Sydney at Etihad Stadium. Statement game, Will. Statement it's, game. No, it's not. Um, Ace Court is out. Uh, who would have been the only player we have in our entire back line who was left in the team who could play on Buddy? Uh, we just uh, we this. I'm, base, I'm basing pretty much my prediction uh, this week on the fact that I didn't back the Bulldogs last week and they responded. I feel probably personally to, to that slight <laughs> on this podcast. And so I'm going to roll it around again and say Sydney will win this one. I actually do think that Sydney probably will win this one. But what I would love to see, and the Bulldogs have had a reasonable record against the Swans, I would love to see that level of ferocity that we had last week against the Bombers. If we could bring that again, regardless of the result, I'd be really wrapped. You sound like a coach right now. It's like, just put, concentrate on the effort. The result will take care of itself. Oh, I'm actually saying that concentrate on the effort and we'll probably still lose. But I'd just <laughs> like to see the effort. I would like to see Bevo. That's his kind of pre-game address. Where it's like, guys, I want you to go in, smack in the packs hard, back each other up, run hard, defend. You're probably going to lose, but it's important but you do those things. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, guys. You're probably going to lose. We haven't got a guy over five foot eight to play in the back line, and we're playing against Buddy Franklin. So, look, 
All I wanted you to do is try. Have some fun out there today. Work together. Just have a crack. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not expecting you to win. Let's get out there and win. Come on, Eason. Calm down. Lower everybody's <laughs> expectations. I just want you to have a crack. Guys, I'd advise you take your phones out there because guaranteed Buddy is going to do something spectacular and you want to get that shit on the gram. You want to get that shit in your timeline on the gram. Bevo's not even in the coach's box. Bevo's just down on the sidelines with his phone, just filming Buddy, sending it to his mates. This guy's unbelievable. Like, I mean, he looks good from the coach's box, but down here, he's better. I mean, look, I'll be, look, we could, we have no player. Even if we had a full healthy list, we've got no one who could stop that guy. He is amazing. I'm surprised we even won a premiership. To be honest, I'm still fucking like surprised about that. And they're like, oh, Bevo, you know you're on Facebook Live, right? <laughs> um, I don't know enough about the Bulldogs. I haven't watched enough games to know where you're at or whether or not that you're just underselling them. I would love to see the Bulldogs win this game. I, I mean, would you love can to sh- see the Bulldogs win this game. You can shut Buddy down. You just got to cut off his supply. But uh, I don't know if you guys can do that. You know what? I'm going to pick the Bulldogs, and that's my lock of the week. Uh, we didn't talk about the fact that Connor McKenna uh, from yeah. the, the Bombers uh, got three weeks for biting Tory Dixon on the neck, giving him a love bite. Yes. Um, I saw the... I, I was disappointed to see the headline wasn't Man Bites Dog. Uh, well, you were just looking in the wrong place. Cause, oh, really? <laughs> don't worry. That was everywhere? That one got rolled around a few times. Um, look, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of people don't know because they, they, they think he speaks in an Irish accent, but it's actually... Uh, he's from Transylvania. Uh, his <laughs> yes. age on his player profile is a thousand years old. And... <laughs> Avant to drink your blood. <laughs> at the end of his first victory, they all actually got around and sprayed those little blood packs you get at hospitals <laughs> on him at the end of the game. He can only play in night games. Well, that's why they had to close the roof at Eddie had on Sunday. It yeah. was too sunny. <laughs> at Blundstone Arena, the Kangaroos take on the Blues. Uh, uh, North have been pretty good. Carlton have been not so good. I reckon... In didn't the blowtorch? Didn't the blowtorch arrive at Carlton very quickly? I mean, mm-hmm. I was the guy leading the lynch mob. I had the flaming torch, but even I'm like, "Oh, guys, settle down! Like, you don't need to go Carlton that hard." I feel bad when I see Brendan Bolton giving a press conference after a heavy loss. I want to give him a cuddle. Yeah, you've gone from the guy who just went to that tiki torch rally to hang out with some other guys and do a bit of chanting, and then suddenly you've seen a picture of yourself on the front of Time magazine and gone, oh, this has got out of control. No, guys, (laughs) calm down. The ruse will not replace us. The ruse will not (laughs) replace us. Um, this is, uh, well, obviously for Tasmania, big game, North Melbourne, uh, down there, but also Brendan Bolton is a Tasmanian himself going back to his home state. Um, look, he's going back to the I Shire, reckon. I believe, uh, <laughs> Brendan Bolton, <laughs> everyone smokes those corn pipes, <laughs> all the doors are round, they're built into the hills. Brendan, you're home. It's elevensies. <laughs> Uh, most people are taking a plane to Tasmania. He's just going on a giant eagle back to the Shire. You know what he needs? He needs a big fat mate to hang out with. Yeah. That's what Brendan Bolton needs. He needs to leave. <laughs> uh, I don't know who to pick in this game. I'm going to just pick North Melbourne because I didn't see any of the, I didn't see the Collingwood Blues game. I didn't see the North Melbourne game. So I don't know. Uh, but everyone seems down on Carlton, so you know that's a comfortable position for me. I'll pick. I'll pick North. 
I've seen North play a couple of times uh, in the last couple of weeks and enjoyed. I reckon there's a lot to like about North Melbourne. Not quite enough, but definitely like you know some some good shoots there. I'm going to say North Melbourne. West Coast Eagles take on the Gold Coast. Uh, oh, that's right, because the Gold Coast stayed in Perth this week. Yes, uh, after losing the game that I thought that they might have won against yeah. Frio, I reckon this West Coast game is going to be very difficult for them. Yeah, and it's also the 200th game of uh, Two Guys, One Cup favourite, the little Frenchman, Mark Lacroix. You know what? I'm actually surprised that it's only 200. I would yeah. have thought that you would have played more games than that. Well, I've got a, a little surprise for you, Will, because uh, Mark Lacroix is uh, here to say hello. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it is me, Mark Lacroix, the little Frenchman. Uh, thank you very much for... Uh, talking about me on the podcast, I'm looking forward to having a good game. Ooh la la! I should kick a goal. I should receive a handball. Handball gets! Will, is there anything you want to ask uh, Mark Lacroix? There is. Um, so firstly, Mark, what's your uh, pre-game preparation on the, the, the day? I drink red wine. I smoke a cigarette. I think about the meaningless of life. And then I take to the field. Uh, Mark, uh, in the 200 games you have played, what's your greatest memory from your time in football? I do not think about the past, Will. Because, sorry, I went German. I do not think about the past, Will. Because in the, oh, in the past, there's just regrets. And you know what I say? No, je rien. No, je rien. Uh, and of course, um, you know, obviously before the game, uh, diet is all important. Uh, so like, you mm. know, in your week, what sort of, uh, sort of dietary preparations are you making? Cheese, a baguette, <laughs> escargot, frog legs, and lots of garlic, garlic and butter. <laughs> the nutritionist at the club does not like me, but I say, bitch, stay out of my face. <laughs> I am a uh, one, one, yes. one final question. <laughs> yes, Will. Yes. Uh, there is a lot of um, uh, you know, teams like your own, the West Coast Eagles, who play like you know, Eagle Rock. You have you know, Port Adelaide playing uh, Never Tear Us Apart. Um, have you ever suggested any piece of music you'd like uh, to come out to on, on the field for the Eagles? You're hearing it right now, Will. <laughs> this is a composition from my mon chérie. She plays it every morning when I wake up. I put my onions around my neck, put on my striped T-shirt and grab my bicycle and go for a, a ride down to Fremantle to say hello to Nat Fife and go for a ride in his chopper. <laughs> I have to go where my accent is slipping very badly. <laughs> I think I am now moving into more Asian accent, so goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, Mark Lacroix. Wow, what a surprise. Wow. Having what Mark Lacroix. Well, what an exclusive. That was, there was a point that I thought this podcast today wasn't worth doing, Charlie, when we were having technical difficulties early, but I'm so glad we didn't give up. I wouldn't have hated to miss out on getting to meet Mark Lacroix for the first time. And, and what an amazing f a gift to us that he flew all the way to LA, where you are, to appear <laughs> with you. <laughs> He's a good guy, Mark Lacroix. He is. Uh, yeah, Eagles look really good. I mean, Jack Dar when Jack yep. Darling is playing well, when Jack Darling is like a good option up forward, 
Imagine what happens when JJK comes back. Yeah, they they look good, the Eagles. I don't know what happened. They were meant to be on the, the downslide. They were meant to be like, you know, but much like the pop, ever popular band, the Eagles, Charlie, they just <laughs> keep regrouping, bringing in a couple of new younger members and getting back on the road. Did you see uh, any of that Geelong West Coast game? Uh, I saw a little bit of that, yeah, so you, yeah I you, did indeed. So that, that oval, am I imagining it? Or if you're right at the fence, are you looking through bars? Uh, well, there's some sort of, there were some injuries from the fence on the weekend. Oh, some people cut themselves the on the top of the... the the, the video screen. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, not even the fence. Yeah, yeah that's right. The video yeah. screen. Yeah. The and the explanation. Kill people, Charlie. <laughs> the explanation uh, was, oh, yeah, those LED uh, uh, plates you put in, they're really sharp. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, how about don't put it on the edge of an oval where athletes are competing? <laughs> it's okay. We, we, we covered it in barbed wire and broken glass. It should be fine. It'll really soften the blow. Um, I think uh, it turns out that Shannon Hearn's a really good player. I know that I hadn't noticed him for like, you know, the seven years of his AFL career, but it turns out now that I am noticing him, he's really good. Ah, look, Charlie, I've got to stop actually enjoying West Coast as much as I'm enjoying West Coast because it feels unnatural. Uh, Who is the greatest minimal impact player, Surioli or Nick Natanui? Nick Natanui at the moment. Yeah. I think... Once he starts playing full games of football, and this is the big difference. I mean, he's back and you just start to realise that in some ways I think the game suits him more. Like while he's been out injured, the idea that you could have a like a powerful impact, you know, sort of ruck performer like that in your team is suddenly so valuable to the way the game is being played that it's just amazing. It's so good to have him back. They're both, I mean, obviously Cyril's amazing as well, but if you're talking about pure impact on the team from just being able to go out and play that role, then Nick Nat at the moment. Yeah, no, he's awesome. I'm going to pick West Coast in this game. Yeah, me too. On Sunday, the Mighty Bombers, the Jake Stringer Bombers, take on Port Adelaide mm. at Eddie Had. This is a... Danger game for Port. Yeah, I don't know. So I haven't seen enough of Essendon this year either to kind of get a beat and why everyone's so down on them. That game against you guys, people really seem to hate them. So I don't know. I feel like Port will win this game, but I don't know. I think Port will win this game as well. But if Essendon are going to bounce back, this could be the week. You know, it's the right sort of game. Port have been going okay, but they're not like, you know, you know, firing like, you know, on full cylinders. They'd be expected. They'd go in pretty heavy favourites, I'd imagine, Port to this game. And I reckon it's one that Essendon could pinch off them, but I'm going to say Port. I'm going to say Port as well. Hawthorne take on Melbourne at the MCG. Now, hopefully this is the Bugsley matchup. But if not, I think the next thing we can hope for is a disaster. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I reckon Melbourne are going to lose this. I reckon Hawthorne beat Melbourne. Yep. Happy with that. Lock it in. Really? Yep. Any particular yep, reason? Because the oh, wobbles. Just because, yep. This is, this is a, good, a good wobbler. Hawthorne know how to win and Melbourne don't quite know how to win yet. Okay. Melbourne are a better team than Hawthorne, but Hawthorne know how to win. And if my theory is correct that Melbourne is still struggling with a bit of like knowing how to, you know, close out a game and knowing how to win, this is the sort of one you lose to really get people to start asking some questions. So I'm going to say Hawthorne win this. 
you should do your, this should be your lock of the week. I was going to say, and my lock of the week is Tom Mitchell gets 60 possessions and that's my lock of the week. 60 possessions to half time. Yeah. <laughs> and the last game is uh, down at the Cattery Geelong take on St Kilda. So what's this GMHBA stand for? Well, that's what it's called now, GMHBA What does that stand Stadium. for? I Gaza, like, um, Mooney, um, can't think of one player that begins with an H. Harry, Harry Taylor. Harry Taylor. Billy B. Brownless. Billy Brownless. Ablat. Ablat. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> hang on, so you get Gary and an Ablat? Gary yeah. Ablett bookends one, the other players. One for dad and one for junior. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. That's that. that yeah, no, I, well, I don't know what it is. It's like I reckon General Motors Holden, uh, or maybe it's something Bank Australia, GMH Bank Australia, or GMHBA. I don't know what that is. I'm gonna we'll have to Google it and find out. I think. Uh, so this is the Saints taking on the team with the most headbands in the AFL. I wonder if this will come into play at some point. Health insurance. Oh, there you go. GMHBA's health insurance. Oh, well, you know, let's hope they gave Gary Ablett some good health insurance. Um, look, the thing is, Ablett's out for a few weeks with his hamstring. Um, they don't They don't have a Ruckman that they like. Um, we oh, don't have Charlie. a Ruckman that we like. I just wish I could tell you that the Saints are going to go down there and turn it all around, but I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I, don't, I don't feel like we're going to... I feel, I feel like... This game will put up a good fight and fall short by like four goals. I think that's what it feels like to me. I'll be if we get smashed, then it's panic stations. Yeah, yeah, that's the interesting thing about this game, isn't it? It's like where are St Kilda at by the time that it's over? Yeah, I mean the problem is at the moment we have no skills, so the only thing we can do is bring manic intensity and try and pressure teams into turnovers. So it's can we sustain that in an away game? With again in front of a hostile crowd for two hours, and I don't know that we can. I mean, we are the second youngest list in the AFL. We all our veterans have gone. Like that, I think our oldest player is like twenty eight or something. Yeah, look, I mean, you've mentioned that a lot of times, Charlie, in the way that somebody who is looking for you know shoots of hope might mention something mm. as a mantra over and over again. Uh, look, I, I, yes, I think the Cats will win that. Yeah, I reckon the Cats will win that too. No, I'm tipping the Saints. I can't. I tried to say it. It didn't work. It got stuck in my throat. <coughs> Yuck. I'm tipping the Saints. I'm with you, boys. I'm with you, fellas. Do it for the old Gipper. Do it for old Chucky. I'm in LA. I just want some joy. I can't fucking do this podcast because the fucking Skype keeps fucking dropping out. My Mark LeCrae bit didn't go as well as I wanted it to. So just give me something to be happy for. Just something. I'd just like to say, Charlie, that your Mark LeCrae bit went excellently. Don't you ever doubt. Do you, don't walk away in the review of this podcast that we do every week, of course, where we send each other clips of it and, you know, we sit down and we have a, you know, full and frank, uh, you know, um, uh, discussion. Leading of the team podcast. style discussion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to tell you 100% that, um, uh, the Mark LaCroix will be on your highlights reel of the week. <laughs> <laughs> That's the clip they'll show the other podcasts yeah. to tell it's them like, like, their Look games. at this. Look at this. They got Mark LaCroix over to LA for an exclusive interview despite their Skype problems. Yeah. Mike Allen is just putting up a series of screen captures of my annoyed, depressed looking face as Skype drops out for about the fifth time tonight. God, I really yeah. look flat. I look yeah. like Alan Richardson. <laughs> 
All right, we can wrap it up. Um, if you want to support the show, you can go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash TOFOP. Um, Patreon is a way you can support uh, podcasters like ourselves. We have a number of podcasts that uh, that we do, TOFOP and Philosophy, a bunch of things, and Patreon is where you can go to support all those shows. So um, at the moment, because we don't have a sponsor, it's the best way we can keep uh, MyCal on board. It's uh, getting near 10.30 p.m., and MyCal has sat up all night to record this show about a game he only picked up two years ago, and we'll probably spend the next four hours cutting because we took so long to record. So if you want to support MyCal, it's the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is absolutely the case. And on a day like today, he needs your support more than ever. In fact, this is basically a giant appeal on behalf of Mike Hell. Please give us some money so we can give him some money. <laughs> you can also go to tofop.com to check out the other podcasts we do. Uh, we have one called Tofop, which is like this without football talk. So I don't know what that, you know, I don't know what comes to mind when you say something like that. Uh, that, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, look, Charlie, I've run out of words. I'm sorry. I wish I could be here with, for you to help, but I just, my brain is shut down. My voice is shut down. This podcast, I think, has officially broken me. I have a show in a couple of hours, and for the rest of the Melbourne Comedy Festival, then Sydney, Perth, um, and Canberra, and other places. So uh, go to comedy.com.au if you want to come and see my show, We're Legal. And check out our Facebook page, Two Guys, One Cup, if you want to send us a message. I think we're going to do a little special bonus episode this weekend, a mailbag episode, because we got a lot of, we've got a lot of really great letters over the past couple of weeks. So we'll record something this weekend and we'll put it on the Patreon as a little incentive for you to chuck a couple bucks our way. Sounds good. Play on, not 15. We are Two Guys, One It's a pleasing, it's a positive, it's a really and pleasing positive performance. When you're at the Saints, you've got lots of mates. Cause it's pleasing, yeah, it's positive, yeah, nah, it's good. <laughs> we are two guys, one car.